Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, this is Chris. And well, today the weather got the better of me and uh, uh, I've decided to do my uh, on the beach uh, podcast today, not on the beach. I hope you can accept that. And if you can't, well, switch off. <laughs> today, uh, I've got something really cool to talk about and that's the concept of... Um, trying to change things around ourselves, the outer world, to make us feel good on the inside, on the inner world. Now, inner world, I mean inner wealth. Outer world, I mean outer wealth. And outer wealth, I include relationship, I include children, I include social life, I include friendships, I include work, I include money, I include spirituality, I include uh, health. That's the outer world. And this outer world of real life, as you want to call it, uh, it's a, always everything that, that happens in the outer world is a perfect balance of good and bad. So let's say you run a business and you own that business and you go, oh, I'm going to make this business perfect. Do you realize when you say those words that you're buying into what's called the hype of marketing, what they sell in MBAs, that you can make this thing perfect? The assumption is that the environment that the thing is in, the business, or the competitors, or the people in it, are not going to screw with your perfect. And therefore, perfect never happens. It never comes because we're always looking for the elimination of the bad to make things only good. Now, that's sold in biblical terms in a, in a Christian church as being without sin. But there's not one single human being who ever walked and ever will walk this planet who achieved that outcome. Not one. The reason I know this is because as soon as they achieve that outcome, they get put up on a post, either crucified or burnt, and they leave. And so we're here uh, operating in a world with good and bad. And it's only when we finally go, up, oh, it'll always be good and bad, that we lose the motive, that we lose the motivation, shall we call it, to improve something because there's bad in it. What we finally come to the realisation of saying, there's always going to be bad. If I make the bad good, then, then the good I made will have good and bad in it. And it's never going to be the thing that I'm defining as excellent or fantastic or perfect. It's never going to arrive. It's just going to be one paper chase after the next, after the next, and you're going to improve, and then it's going to be good and bad. You improve that's going to be good and bad. You get a better relationship, it's going to be good and bad. And the kids are going to be good and bad, and you think you're going to teach them all these things and be really strict so they're only good. You're barking up the wrong tree. That's called Disneyland. But when people go to Disneyland and have a fantasy, this is going to be the best holiday we ever had, we're all going to Fantasyland, Disneyland. And you get there and the bloody sun comes out and it's as hot as Hades and you're melting and the kids get tired and the rides are short and the queues are long and it's damn expensive and the food is typically uh, fast takeaway American shit and while someone vomits on your foot and you're going, oh, really loving this uh, bloody fantasy land. It's got good and bad in it. 
And yes, you can focus on the good and tell everybody how good it was, but the truth is it's good and bad. And maybe sometimes we do something where the bad is worth it to enjoy the other half of it, which is the good, like sailing. So I've gone sailing with people and uh, I, I've owned little catamarans and uh, Hobie cats and things and windsurfers, but I've never owned one of those big boats. Why? Because I don't want the bad of the good. So we go sailing on OP, which is other people's boats, OPBs, and we walk down to the marina, we walk down to the marina, we walk on the boat with our little picnic basket and all the beers that we're going to contribute to the experience of being on the boat, and the owner of the boat comes down and says, would you undo the rope, and you undo the rope, and they turn the engine on, boom, cost, petrol, engine. You'd start chugging out, everybody's happy, and then the owner's sitting there going, shit, I've got to miss this boat, I've got to not hit that boat, I've got to do this, go out, poof. Okay, so everybody help me put the sail up. Oh, there's another $100 go down the toilet as the sail gets older and the boat gets older and it leans over and it gets closer to the rocks and then the owner's going, shit, look out for that. And the bad for the owner is good because they say, I'm willing to pay the cost of the bad news of owning a boat, which is like a really, it's just like a big hole in the ground where you pour money into. I'm willing to pay the, pay the price because I enjoy the outcome. I'm good and bad, but I'm willing to accept the good and the bad. They don't try and say, I want the only good. If you want the only good, you do what I do and you walk down with a picnic basket and you get on someone else's boat and you enjoy the sailing and you get off and you walk away and leave this poor bugger to clean the boat get the engine repaired, uh, fix the next sail, uh, buy new ropes, get a crank handle and, and all this shit. And you go, in a thousand years, I wouldn't pay all the bad to have that experience I just had out on the harbour sailing around it, because it just wasn't good enough to, to, to overcome the bad of that. And then you go to work and you say, oh, I would like a new job, please. And they say, well, we'll pay you more money and we'll give you a new job. And oh, so good. And what's the bad? Well, we want a little bit more time, which means less at home. We want, we're going to uh, put you a little bit more on the toaster. In other words, if you fuck up, we, we're really going to give you a struggle. We, we're going to um, be watching you like an eagle, so no longer have you got a little bit of elbow room to do what you want. And it's a very demanding um, thing. So, and you're novice at the new job, and you're going, shit, this is good. I've got more pay. And the bad, being a novice and being uh, under the watchful eye and thinking, yeah, it's worth paying, good and bad. But if you think, oh, I'm in a job right now and I don't like being bullied around and I don't like this and I don't like bad performance reviews and I don't like this and I don't like that, you go, oh, I'm going to go and change jobs and go and get a job over there where they'll like me and only give me good reviews and only give me this and pay me more for doing less we, we, we go towards looking for a good that has no bad attached to it. Now, there's no place on the planet. None. If you buy a dog, oh, look at the dog. Oh, God, it does a poop on your carpet or it does a piss on the wall and next thing you know, good and bad. But you go, oh, I love the dog and it's really good to have a dog. I'm willing to pay the negative price. And you're not deluded about the fact that dog's going to do a poo and you're going to have to pick it up in a plastic bag and... It's going to do a pee and it's going to do it on the carpet at the start and you're going to have to take the dog to the vet 
and like my friends just did, paid $12,000 to have something fixed in their new puppy and, you know, there's good and the bad. And you go, well, I, I really want a dog and uh, I'm willing to pay all the bad for having the dog, so good and bad. So we get a career and we go, oh, I'm going to fix this and so all the bad goes away. I'm going to not have people in the company I don't like and I'm going to have not people who give me criticism. I'm not going to be stressed by anybody. I'm going to be a king or a queen of my castle and everybody's going to give me positive performance reviews. Everybody's going to like me. They will follow me to hell and back and I'll be the magician of this good and bad. Oh, you suddenly find a company that gives you the fantasy that creates little Disneyland that says, oh, you're so good, here, here, take more money, do less work, stay home. And you go, oh, wow, this is really good. And suddenly your partner at home is telling you you're a dick. And you go, oh, hang on, I've got it good at work, but now I've got it worse at home, bad, good and bad. And you go, good and bad, oh, shit. I thought, now I've got to focus on my relationship to build it up, and then you don't work quite as well at work, and then someone says at work, you're, you're a dick, and you go, oh, my God. Now I've got work problem, but I've got my relationship on track. Good and bad. We try to fix things that aren't broken. They're not broken when they're good and bad. They're broken when they're only good, and they're broken when they're only bad. And they're not broken for real. It's just our perception of them. is Our expectation is just complete fantasy, like Disneyland. Oh, come to Disneyland. You'll have a wow of a time. Well, the kids do, because they're the ones like me on the yacht bring in the picnic basket and they just get on the yacht. The, the, the owner of the yacht pays all the bills, does all the sails, fixes all the engine, does all that. All I do on a yacht is sail around. Hi, everyone. And I don't, I don't even help them hoist the sail. I just can't be bothered. It's just boring. And so the kids go there and they go, oh, I want to ride on this, I want to ride on that. And they forget that they cried because there's so many Donald Ducks and Goofy's walking around, they forget that they uh, vomited all over themselves or waited in a queue. They forget all that. They just remember all the, all the fantasy because that's called, called, what's it called? It's called good marketing. It's called good sales. That's what it's for. And uh, so uh, it, 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 it floods you, floods you with the, with the positive vibes of all these things so that you don't realise that there is or the kids don't realise there is the bad and the parents are just pumping money out of the pocket to make sure the kids stay in a happy place. And that's just a delusion. So this is all fine. This is how the outside world works. If the outside world is good and bad, you've got it perfect. If the kids are behaving good and bad, perfect. If your partner is a good and a bad partner, perfect. If your job is a good and bad job, perfect. Not a problem. There is nothing broken. Now, if you imagine you're a watchmaker and you're sitting at work and you're sitting there at work and you're a watchmaker and nobody brings a watch in for a pair. You look around, you go, what the hell am I going to do today? And you look at a watch, it's working bloody perfectly. It's a perfect watch. It's sitting there. It's all fixed. It's your watch. It's been in the shelf for a while and you think, you know what I'll do? I, I, I've got nothing else to do. I'm going to make that watch more perfect. But it's working. And it's one of the old watches, not digital one, where they've got little uh, gears and cogs. So you think, I'm going to make it more perfect. So you open the back and you start cleaning each cog, each little thing. And next thing you know, you've got to put it all back together again. It doesn't quite fit. Or you go, oh, shit, well, how do I get that one in? And then there's a bit of dust comes in or a bit of cleaning product. And you're going, oh, clean. Oh, you, end of the day, someone says, what do you do today? Oh, I worked really hard. I, I fixed a watch. And they go, was it broken? 
And you, you go, no. So what did you fix? And you go, well, I pulled it apart and put it back together again. And that's what happens to people with their families. They start looking at the kids and going, oh, the kid's got a problem. And you go, no, it's good and bad. There's nothing to fix. Oh, no, we've got, a, we've got nothing else to do. We haven't got a, a vision, a mission, a purpose. We're, we're going to just make the watch work better and we're going to fix my job. I'm going to go to my job and complain that it's good and bad because, you know, it's not broken, but I've got nothing else to do but complain about the fact that there's nothing else to do. So I'm going to make, try to make things perfect when they're already perfect. They're not broken. And this happens to families and they start fucking around with the kids' lives because they've, they've got the, they can't focus on the next thing in their life. And so they start becoming watchmakers, trying to make a watch that's working, a kid that's working, more perfect. Oh, my God. Then they try to say to the kid, don't be naughty, don't be dark, don't be bad, don't be sad, don't be disappointed, don't be hurt, don't be bullied, don't be this, don't be that, because they want to make the kid all good. But that's when the kid gets all good and behaves themselves to that stuff, where does that other stuff go? Where's all the good, where's all the bad of the kid, the, the real watch? Where does it all gone? Where? Well, it goes to the kindergarten or it goes to the playgroup or it goes to the to brother or sister. Why? Because there's a claustrophobic parent playing watchmaker trying to make things what's called perfect, which is no bad. And this is a real problem. Now, why is it like this? Well, the answer is really good. The answer is because we try to feel good by making the outside world good. And this feel good inside, when you make things good on the outside, it's good. It works 50% of the time. The guy who owns the yacht feels good going for a sale until something breaks that he didn't expect or she didn't expect. And next thing you know, they're going, oh, I feel bad. Now I feel bad on the inside because something I do on the outside, which is sailing, uh, has a bad attack or I banged another boat or I got into a storm or I had people on the boat who didn't respect it or a bird did a poo on the front balcony up to get it hosed down or the engine needs repair or the petrol wasn't clean, or blah, 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 blah. And as soon as something bad happens on the outside, they feel bad on the inside. Now, having the inside of you connected to the outside of you, that is a problem. That is a problem that n no Zen, no yoga, no therapy, no psychology, nothing, nothing can deal with. Because it's a habit, a habit of saying, if the world outside of me feels good, I feel good. Well, I'm telling you here that that is not how it works in nature. There is a seed, an innate self, a self that is happy, a self that is fulfilled and content and satisfied and still, no matter what shit goes on on the outside, good or bad. And when you can disconnect these two, you have inner wealth. Inner wealth means I'm wealthy inside irrespective of what's going on on the outside and what's going on, on the outside will be good and bad so I'm not going to work on the outside to fix what isn't broken I'm not going to work on the inside to fix what isn't broken I'm going to find fulfillment and how do you find fulfillment well here it is imagine you're going to the Himalayas with me right now and you're going for a walk with me right now in the Himalayas and just before we you leave uh, Kathmandu to fly up in the aeroplane to get to Jiri to start the walk to go to, to get to Lukla to start to walk to walk the mountain just before you leave you put your foot on the floor and a tiny weeny itty bitty little tiny weeny itty bitty little splinter goes into the bottom of your big toe a little splinter 
tiny weeny, little bitty bite, tiny. You can't even see it. So you put your sock on, you go, mm, that, that feels funny. I felt something scratchy on the bottom of my toe. Uh, and then you put your, your sock on and you put your climbing boots, you go down to the airport, they pick you up to take you to the airport. You got all your gear, you fly up to Jiri. Ooh, welcome to, uh, welcome to the start of the trip. Oh, we're in Lukla. Look at this, 2,700 metres above sea level. Wow, look around. I've got my Gore-Tex jacket. I've got my MacPack backpack. I've got my Millet boots on. I've got my trekking poles. I've got uh, surrounded by staff and helpers. Uh, everything's fucking perfect. Everything's exactly, even got not cotton undies because you can't wear cotton undies in the Himalayas. That is, uh, that is uh, going to cause uh, things that you and I don't right now want to talk about. You've got to wear a different material for your undies. That's a really important thing. It's something that we talk very privately about. So you're up there with your not cotton undies on, with your Millet boots and your Gore-Tex jacket. All the outside world is all there ready, and you start walking. You start walking, that's hard. It's bloody hard. You're high. Uh, wind might be blowing. It might be really sunny it, down at... Uh, uh, look like the sun can be like 40 degrees can burn and so you you, you kind of like you've got to put sun cream and wear your, wear your sun protection clothing and you strip down you put it all in your backpack and your backpack starts to irritate a little bit on your back because it's got a few things in it and a bottle of water and you're walking along and there's a little bit of a stone on the path and you're looking after the outside it's good and bad it's good and bad and you go up a little bit of altitude or you lose a bit of altitude, the path's a bit slippery, good and bad, good and bad. And you're looking at the view, good, looking at the path, bad. Or you're looking at the path, good, and you're looking up and the cloud blocks the thing. It's good and bad, good and bad, good and bad. But you're willing to pay the bad because, why? Because the good is good. And you go, oh, I love these Himalayas. And the pain I'm feeling from my body adjusting and uh, the shits that I got from eating the chicken kebab off the street down in uh, Kathmandu that I was told not to, the shits that I've got keeping me running to the toilet, starting to burn a hole in, uh, uh, burn a hole in my hole, in my bum, and now I'm starting to think I'm going to poo on the on the footpath as many people have done, and you're walking along and it's good and bad, but you look up, there's the Himalayas, it's good, and there's the poo coming down your leg, that's bad, but you go, it's worth it because look at the good, look at the bad, I'm willing to pay the price, and you're walking along and you feel good. You feel good because you made a good choice and you're really strong, clever. And you've paid all the money to get up there. You've arrived. You've got your Gore-Tex jacket. You've got your, you've got your uh, MacPack backpack. You've got your Millet boots. You've got your not cotton underpants on. You've got a sun hat on. You've got your Oakley sunglasses on that could take you to the top of Mount Everest. And here you are walking along the thing with your trekking pole and everything's really good. Really good. Good and bad. Good and bad. Good and bad. Every step. Breathe in. Good. Breathe out. Bad. Breathe in, good, breathe out, bad. Walking along, walking along. So you feel good. And suddenly you start to feel a little bit of heat, a little bit of heat on the bottom of your big toe. A little bit of heat on the bottom of your big toe. And you go, hmm, that's weird. So we walk along a bit further and the heat gets a little bit hotter and you stop and you stop at a, we stop for a cafe for one of the roadside coffee shops and you go run to the toilet and you do another you know, 200 poo for the day and you put the toilet paper in the bin which is disgusting and you then you come back out and you wash your hands with your hand sanitizer about 400 times because it was runny and wet and you got it all over the place and and you put your non uh, spare pair of non-cotton underpants on because the other one's got dirty and you 
and you have a nice coffee and you sit there with the people talking and you're in the Himalayas and everything's fantastic and you take your shoe off and you take your sock off and you look on the bottom of your big toe and it's just a tiny bit red but it's sort of itchy and it's annoying and now you're walking along you put it all back on again and you walk along and you're walking along and the Himalayas are beautiful outside of you and your Gore-Tex jacket's in your bag and you've got your water and you've had a coffee and you've finished doing the poo and you've had some Lomatil to, that, that stops you pooing and you feel really fantastic, everything's really great and, you, and then you're 10 minutes later you go, I need to stop for a pee, you have to take it all off again and have a pee and then you put it all back on again and you keep walking and there's the Himalayas and there's the challenge and there's the altitude sickness and there's all the things going on, it's good and bad, it's good and bad, it's good and bad, but now you start to go, but even though it's good, I love this Himalayas and I love being with the Sherpa people and I love being on this trek and I've got my lovely Gore-Tex jacket on, I've got my lovely backpack backpack and I've got my Millet boots on and I've got my trekking poles and I've got all this gear on and my sun cream and my hat and my Oakley glasses. I don't feel quite as good as I did before because my big toe, my big toe started to feel a little bit uh, more burny. Ah, so you keep walking and no matter then, suddenly, no matter how much good and bad you see outside of you, even though the beautiful Himalayas are there, the, uh, the river is flowing rapids, you're crossing over on metal bridges across magnificent flowing white water down the Kumbu Valley, and uh, there's sacred statues everywhere, and there's monks all around you, and you stop at a temple, you donate a few dollars in the thing and you sit down and you get a, uh, a blessing from the Lama and, oh man, it's sacred. It's just, it's the good and the bad and you're still, but the inside you're feeling this thing, you're going, no matter how fantastic this temple is, no matter how beautiful the river is, no matter how amazing the Himalayas are and no matter how tough this journey is, it's not making any difference anymore because my bloody big toe's starting to hurt. And that big toe's agitating me and it's distracting me because I was feeling good on the outside and made me feel good on the inside. But now something's happening on the inside and I don't know what it is, but it feels like my big toe. And it's giving me the shits on the inside, not the shits on the outside like before, which is from the chicken. Now it's giving me the shits on the inside. Now I'm grumpy or I'm a bit ticked off or I'm a bit in pain on the inside. And no matter what goes on on the outside, I'm sort of there for it. I'm, oh yeah, look at the mountain, look at the flower, look at the yak, look at the monk, look at the beautiful thing. And gee, yeah, look at the poo going down the thing and look at all the things going wrong and look at all this. Oh, don't feel quite so happy like I did before. The outside can't get in because the inside starts to become a little agitating. And the inside is the little tiny, little, tiny, winny, you can't even see it, little piece of wood stuck in the bottom of your big toe. But now that little piece of wood started to go backwards and forwards, it's formed what's called a blister. And then the blister starts to draw your focus because now there's a pain in your shoe. The pain in your foot, it's like a stone in your shoe, but it's right at the end, just under your big toe, tiny little pain. Every time you take a step, it goes, hmm, hmm, she, hmm, she. And every time it makes a little bit discomfort, you get drawn back down inside. Now, people walk past you and you think, why is that person frowning at me? Why is that person over there not smiling? Why is that uh, the mountain goat coming close? What is that yak doing coming so... Why is the river so dangerous all of a sudden? Why is the mountains not so pretty as they were before? Why are people saying that? Why, why didn't lunch taste as good? How come I'm doing more shits on the outside and the inside? 
And because what happens is the insight starts to build up and you start to reflect what's going on, our feelings inside ourselves, we start to reflect it as if it's coming from others. We don't say, I'm having a blister in my toe. We go, I've got pain in my foot and now people aren't treating me as good as they used to. And the pleasure and pain or the happy and sad on the outside does not really uh, uh, distracting me, keeping me occupied. And this happens with our work and this happens with our careers and this happens with our relationships. This happens with everything. We try to make things on the outside make us feel good on the inside. It's a horrible mistake. I went to Japan and I sat for 13 months in Zen. And that's a very hard thing to do. I'm going to tell you it's a tough gig because Zen means no instructions. You don't get told what to do in Zen. You just stare at a wall. And you sit perfectly straight, straight spine, back perfectly straight, head up, long neck, stare at the wall. What? On the wall. Nothing. There's nothing on the wall to stare at. It's a wall. But you stare and you look uh, and you start to see grains of wood and you start to see an ant walk past, but they can't let them make your eyes go. You've got to keep staring at the, at the, at the wall. And it's a very hard thing to do. So I did that for a very long period of time and I probably got really... Really, really, I don't know what the word is. Enlightened, let's call. And anyway, super spiritual. So Chris, so I left the, uh, the Zendo and I had to get a taxi to get to the transport, to get to the plane, to get to uh, home. And in the taxi, there's a traffic jam. Now I'm watching the meter tick over, but I'm also watching the time tick over and I'm starting to think I'm going to miss my plane. And I look down after 13 months of Zen, I look down and my palms are sweaty. I'm sweating. I lost 13 months of Zen, of being calm on the inside, completely tranquil, staring at the wall, total stillness. I lost it in five minutes. And that's because I was trying to make the outside affect the inside or the inside affect the outside. In Zen, I thought if I found perfect stillness inside, the world outside of me would stand still. But it didn't. The world outside of me is good and bad. And then in doing other things like yoga, I thought if I could make the world outside of me good and bad stand still, the inside of me would stand still. Didn't happen. Good and bad. Even in my yoga practice, popped a hamstring, popped another hamstring, popped a rib, uh, blah, blah, blah. Good and bad. And therefore... It didn't give me stillness on the inside, even when I meditated and did yoga practice and learned how to breathe like uh, a vacuum cleaner. Oh, didn't make any difference. Long term, it's good and bad. And that's because I, I was having the inside of me and the outside of me connected up. So bit by bit, you come to the realisation that the inner wealth, your inner wealth, can be harvested if you find where that splinter is in your big toe and you go down there with a pair of tweezers and simply pull it out. Now, where did that splinter come from? Well, in life, it comes in the last three months before you're born and the next three years. It comes from the perception of a judgment, a perception of a judgment on you by a parent. Being one, you know, being loved, not loved, uh, all sorts of things. And we get that thing and then we uh, get a mind map and we say, Okay, so uh, I was a problem as a child and therefore 
I don't want to be a problem as a person, so therefore I don't like being called a problem. Therefore I want to be a, a solution. Therefore I'm going to be a consultant. Therefore I'm going to be a this. Therefore I'm going to be that. And we start growing in this mind map out to, let's say, put a, put a, put a shell, put an onion layer over the top of the splinter. And that's like if you have a little piece of wood in your foot, tiny piece of splinter in your foot, and people put a blister pad over that, to, you know, a bit of gel pad, to uh, protect their foot. The, if they don't pull out the splinter, the blister pad is not going to work because the splinter is going to have an infection in its own thing. So the, 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 the secret to inner wealth is to find this void. Voids create values. And this void, which is our fears and our worries and our anxieties inside, go right back before we have a memory of them. So the journey to find out what is my void and why I've got it and what all about that is a very interesting one. And that's where you need help. And that's what I do. And I help you find that void and help you find that thing and pull the splinter out of your foot, put a blister patch on it. And then you go out and do good and bad on the outside world and live life happily ever after. But the feeling inside of you is, is inner wealth, is of, of whatever label you would like to put on it, if you like to say happy or joyful or fulfilled or content or satisfied or stillness, whatever you want to choose as the feeling inside of you is not dependent on anything outside of you. Now that's powerful shit. That is, it doesn't matter what vision you've got, doesn't matter what values you've got, it doesn't matter what your uh, uh, purpose is, doesn't matter, any of those things don't matter. If you can find that uh, void and and know it, and know how to scratch it when it itches, so you can continually improve your connection to that thing. Scratch it, scratch it, scratch it. You know how to scratch your big toe underneath when it itches, because just because you pull the blister out and fix it up, next time something goes wrong on the outside, the temptation will be for that blister to flare up again and get infected. So you've got to know where to scratch. And then if you know that, your inner wealth becomes really, really powerful. And then you do on the outside whatever you love, whatever you choose to do. But you're not building the outside world to cover up the blister, cover up the splinter. So there are many, many metaphors of this. And one of them is the idea that something's not, you don't feel good. So what you do is you pack up a bag and you go on holidays. You fly off to Bali and you're in Bali having a holiday and you go, well, I felt like shit in Sydney, now I feel sh like shit in Bali, but it's much better in Bali because I can get drunk or I can go surfing and I can try to hide the fact that I feel shit because now I'm uh, not facing the shit, but I'm over here. So if, you, if you're feeling bad about yourself, if you've still got the splinter in your toe in Sydney, you've still got the splinter in <laughs> your toe in Bali. So when you come back to Sydney, the same splinter is still there. This is not uh, a good use of uh, elegance and sophisticated and and wise uh, subtlety in life. Wise subtlety in life and wise wisdom in life and inner wealth in life is to say, I will find that blister and I'm going to find the little splinter that's in there and I'll pull it out and I know where to scratch it and I know how to find inner wealth no matter what's going on in Sydney and I'm going to take that inner wealth over to Bali and I'm going to live in a different environment and have some fun. But it won't be to repair what's on the inside, how I feel. It's Chris. Bye for now.